0: Hey, what's good, fam? We appreciate you tuning in to the South City Church Podcast. It's our prayer that as you hear the better story of Jesus, you might experience more of his redemptive power in every square inch of your life. Hey, we're a church plant. We benefit greatly from outside support. So if you'd like to partner with our ministry here, you can go to southcityrva.com give and join us in seeing strangers made family in Christ in Richmond, and beyond. God bless, and shalom. So happy Father's Day again to you fathers. And I have um, maybe some sad news to you fathers. Originally, this was intended to be like a Father's Day sermon, but I felt led in a different direction. However, I think the Spirit weaves things together and although I felt led in a different direction, upon reflection, there may not be, maybe a better sermon for you, fathers, to hear than this. So this is for all of us. But but fathers, invite you, as you're listening, to be listening as a father. Um, this, the coming weeks are going to be a little bit different. We're not doing our usual summer psalm series. Uh, we have are going to be having some some other pastors come in and help fill the pulpit uh while jonathan is on leave and am really excited for you all to sit under the the word uh through some of these men who i love and and respect and so they're coming to to bless us and so one way that i decided to bless them was to give them kind of free reign on the topic and the passage that they would preach and so we're going to be in some different places this summer and excited for that and as I begin this week kind of thinking about this Sunday, um, I think the, the Lord brought clarity quickly on where he wanted it to go. And as you know from last week, we're kind of entering a, a, a season of the church that's a little bit unexpected um, and maybe unknown. And we all know personally from our own lives that like that is our life, <laughs> We don't have the control we think we have over today. We don't know what tomorrow holds at any given day. And so in, in some unique ways, maybe as a church, there's some uncertainty of the coming days. Uh, we trust the Lord with that, but it can be disorienting. But we all have those days every day where we realize we're not in control. And we all have individual seasons where it's just, it's just crystal clear It's like our world, our lives have been flipped completely upside down and we're keenly aware that we don't know what's going on and we can't do much about it. So what do we do? Well, there's a lot of things we could do, but I want us to look back at the early church. And I think we have some things to learn from them. So if you would, look back to, uh, well, not back, just open your Bibles to the book of Acts. Um, it's after the, the Gospels. And I'm going <clears> to <throat> read the first 14 verses of Acts. Jesus has died. Uh, he's risen from the dead. He spent some time on earth. And, and then we get here. And Luke writes this in Acts chapter 1. In the first book, O Theophilus... For John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. And so when they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. This Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will come in the same ways as you saw him go into heaven. And then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath-day journey away. And when they had entered, they went up to the upper room where they were staying, Peter and John and James and Andrew, Philip and Thomas, Bartholomew and Matthew, James the son of Alphaeus and Simon the zealot, and Judas the son of James, And all of these, with one accord, were devoting themselves to prayer, together with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and his brothers. This is the word of the Lord. Imagine for a moment all the questions that could be going through the minds of these men and women. Over the last month and a half... Their lives have been flipped upside down now multiple times. Completely disoriented. It started with Jesus, the one they had been centering their life around, the one they gave up jobs and family and security to follow. He dies. He's crucified. He's dead. He's put in the ground. And they have no idea what to do. Their life has been built around the hope that this man is the Messiah. He's coming to make things right and then he's dead. Imagine the questions, the confusion, the disorientation that they have. Then he does the crazy thing of defeating death and... Uh, resurrects from the dead and spends 40 days with them. Everything's good again. Jesus is back. He's come to rule and reign. He defeated death. This is it. The kingdom has come. We will reign. And then he says, No, just kidding. I'm actually leaving you again. And they watch him ascend on a cloud into heaven before their very eyes. And they're left standing once again asking, What has happened? What on earth are we supposed to do? They don't know. All they know is Jesus says to go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit, and they don't really quite understand at all what that means. And so they waited, and they devoted themselves to prayer. That's what it said. They had no plan, no idea what was going on, and they waited, and they prayed in their disorientation, they devoted themselves to praying together. And out of their prayers comes Pentecost, the greatest revival in the history of the church. The church is literally birthed out of prayer and the proclamation of God's Word. Pentecost was not a plan they crafted, but a work, that, a work of God that flowed out of prayer. It wasn't a plan they developed, but a power they received. And this theme of prayer permeates the entire book of Acts and the spread of the early church. And this is my main point this morning prayer is not to be a supplement of the church, it's to be the substance. And we're going to look at just a few passages in Acts. But you see throughout Acts, prayer is the like heart of the church. It's the substance, not a, a, an optional supplement that you tackle in from time to time. And so as we look at this, I, I want us to look at two aspects of prayer. I know there should be three, because every good preacher has three points. We're going to do two, and then the third point at the end of the service, the last ten minutes or so, we're actually going to do some praying together. Um, so the first, first point, and just a, a way to, to think about prayer, is that, that prayer is meant to be an act of communion. Not, not the Eucharist table, uh, but fellowship, connection, relationship with God. Um, if you think about Jesus and his relationship with the Father... The Gospels say multiple times again and again that Jesus would regularly withdraw from the crowds to an isolated place, oftentimes on the mountaintop, and he would commune with his Father through prayer. The Psalms give a psalm after psalm of David, and the other psalmists, not just asking for power and for help, which is part of prayer, and we're going to get to that, but it's Adoration. It's meditation on the beauty and the wonder of God. It's confession before the Lord. It's a relationship. Prayer is meant to be communion. And in our lives of of unknowing, prayer tethers us to the one who knows, which is really good news. When we're flipped upside down and we don't know up from down, left from right, in prayer, we can come to the one to be tethered to and have conversation with the one who knows all things and the one who leads his people. Um, one of my favorite poems is by George Herbert. Uh, it's called Prayer. And it is, uh, it is just a list of images, metaphors about prayer. It's like the type of poem you've got to, like, s- study uh, there's a lot to it. But I love one of the lines as he's describing prayer. He said, prayer, the Christian plummet sounding heaven and earth. The Christian plummet sounding he- heaven and earth. And Tim Keller explains this a little bit and I like his words. He says, as, as plumb lines measure the depths of waters beneath boats, pr- prayer is a plummet sounding heaven and earth. That means it can plunge us by the power of the Spirit into the deep things of God, 1 Corinthians 2.10. This includes the indescribable journey that prayer can take us through the breadth and length and height and depth of Christ's saving love for us, Ephesians 3.18. Prayer unites us with God himself. Prayer takes us into the deep things of God. It takes us into his throne room. It takes us into conversation. It takes us into his very heart where we can know the love of God through Christ. It's communion. And especially during seasons of disorientation, this type of prayer keeps us tethered. It keeps us grounded. It keeps us from straying. Because we know truth and see truth through God, through Jesus. Prayer brings us into relationship, communication with God. So prayer is communion. And second, I'm and going to spend most of our time here this morning. Prayer is, is power. Prayer is powerful. It is when we pray what Jesus told us to pray... God, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're calling down the power and the kingdom of God to rule and reign in this broken place. Go back to Acts, the first chapter. Actually, jump down to chapter 2. They've been praying, Peter preaches, and then look at verse 2 of of chapter 2. And suddenly, there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, And it filled the entire house where they were sitting. And divided tongues as a fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. God unleashes His power out of the believers praying. They're in the upper room The word is being preached and they're praying and in their prayers, through their prayers, God unleashes the power of his spirit to come and indwell and begin a a revolution on earth. Another line in George Herbert's poem. He refers to prayer as reversed thunder. And Tim Keller is going to help us out again. Thunder is an expression of the awesome power of God. But prayer somehow harnesses that power so that our petitions are not heard in heaven as whispers but as a crack, a boom, and a roar. Prayer changes things. Our prayers are like reversed thunders in the throne room of God that he asks for. Jump to Acts 12. We're going to look at another passage further along in the story, Acts chapter 12. And let's read verses 1 through 12, and just a little bit in between, very little bit, the church is growing, the gospel is being proclaimed, and persecution is happening. Luke writes about that time, Herod the king laid violent hands on some who belonged to the church. He killed James, the brother of John, with the sword. And when he saw that it pleased the Jews, he proceeded to arrest Peter also. This was during the days of unleavened bread. And when he had seized him, he put him in prison, delivering him over to four squads of soldiers to guard him, intending after the Passover to bring him out to the people. So Peter was kept in prison. But earnest prayer for him was made to God by the church. And now when Herod was about to bring him out on that very night, Peter was sleeping between two soldiers, bound with two chains, and sentries before the door were guarding the prison. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood next to him, and a light shone in the cell. He struck Peter on the side and woke him saying, "Get up quickly." And the chains fell off his hands. When Peter came to himself, he said, Now I'm sure that the Lord has sent this angel and rescued me from the hand of Herod and from all the Jewish people were expecting. When he realized this, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, whose other name was Mark, where many were gathered together and were praying. Luke is a very careful writer. He writes very intentionally. And he wants us to see that, that this unleashing of God's power is sandwiched by the church praying. He wants us to see that powerful works of God in chapter 2, in chapter 12, and throughout Acts are emanating from earnest prayers of the church. South City Church, our prayers have power. Do you believe that? I know we believe it happened here, but do we believe that it happens now? Do we believe that it happens in South City Church, that God hears our prayers and our prayers have power? With all of our technology and education and resources, do we still believe this to be true of us? And I would ask, is is prayer the the substance of your life? Or is it an, an optional supplement that gets tacked on from time to time? And maybe we ask as a church, is prayer the substance of South City Church? One more passage. Go back a few chapters now to Acts 6. If you still may not believe me that prayer is meant to be the substance, I hope this this one will help. Acts 6, verses 1 through 4. Now in these days, when the disciples were increasing in number... of the Word. So this is a serious issue that's going on. Widows were being neglected to be cared for and fed. And so the Apostle's response isn't to, 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 to downplay the importance of, of, of benevolence and care for the poor and these widows. It's actually really important to them, but it identifies what the apostles understood as their main call and task, the substance of their work. And notice they didn't say that they needed to devote themselves to high-level strategic planning, developing a new market initiative, or establishing a new and really sticky vision statement, although those things aren't bad in of themselves. They say they must stay focused on the substance of their work, which was prayer. In the ministry of the Word. It's that simple. Everything they did flowed out of the central substance of prayer and the Word. And leadership is meant to flow downstream. And God invites it to be the substance of our lives, individually and as a church as well. Over the next few weeks, uh, with the help of a couple other members. Um, going to be offering some guidance and direction for the church t- to um, be praying uh, in unified ways. We're going to give you some, some prayer prompts and guidance through this season that we can, like the early church, be devoted to praying together. So there will be more to come on that, but I want to offer uh, a little application and then kind of lead us into a time of of praying together. Uh, First is to the fathers. You knew this was coming. Father's water flows downstream. The, the, The culture of your family flows from you and your wife's life. You are the cultural headwaters of your family what kind of culture is being established in your family what kind of culture are you building are you building a culture of prayer and is it starting by your own private prayer life and then flowing into your prayer with your family is it the substance men fathers is it the substance of your work the substance of your marriage, the substance of your parenting. Fathers, establish rhythms, starting with your own personal life, that brings prayer from the margins to the center, that brings it from a supplement to the substance, and then let that overflow into your marriage and your formation of your children. There may not be a greater work for you, It was the most important work for the apostles. And men, some of you feel guilty right now. And that's okay. The Lord convicts. But not to shame. And not to keep you in guilt, but to encourage. Because God offers everything you need, just like he gave it to the early church, to make it the substance. He wants to lead you there. I would just encourage you fathers what's the next couple steps for you this week in your own personal life and your families to make prayer more of the substance. And then lastly just an encouragement for us as as a church, as a body to make prayer the substance of everything we do. I don't think we need to start anything new a new prayer meeting a new prayer initiative. I think we need to 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 start by taking what we have and moving prayer more to the center in everything we do. Make prayer more the substance of your huddles. Most of your huddles are already praying. I'm not condemning it. I'm just asking you to consider how can prayer be made more the substance. Your family feasts, your guilds, finance meetings, planning and strategy meetings, children's ministry, all of it. Let's take all we're already doing and infuse it with more deeper prayer may prayer plunge us into the deep things of God and call forth his power in our lives may it plunge us into the deep things of God and call forth his power in our lives and so we're going to take the last 10 minutes or so of preaching time and I want us to pray together. Um, Do me a favor and turn to uh, Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 3. In a moment, um, I'm going to have you move a little bit and to get close to somebody near you, form some small groups beside you or in front of you, behind you, and I I want you to use uh, these verses in Ephesians 3 as a model for prayer. And what I'm going to do, I'm going to read through it and then give you two specific prompts for you all to pray together right now. So join me um, as I read Ephesians 3, I'm going to read verses uh, 14, 14 through 21. and to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled with all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we ask or thank, according to the power at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. So I want to invite you to pray two things. The first is in connection with what we've talked about. Prayer is communion into the deep things of God, into the love of Christ. And it's to pray what Paul prays. Pray for yourself, pray for your families, and pray for South City Church that we would grow to know more of the love of Christ that surpasses understanding, that doesn't have walls, doesn't have a ceiling, doesn't have a floor. This is not intellectual knowledge. This is experiential knowledge that transforms our lives and transforms the world. Ask God for us to know more of that love as a people. And secondly, ask for the power that he talks about in verse 20. The God who can do far beyond anything we can ask or imagine according to the power at work within us. Ask and plead for God to continue to pour out that power in us. That would transform our hearts and our lives and bear witness for him in the places that we live. You can take the the prayer other places too, but just a place to start. Pray for this knowledge of the love of God through Jesus Christ. And pray for the power of God to be manifested and, and extended through South City Church.